Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. We got, we got a smoke-free morning for the most part. I mean, this is something to be grateful for, hey? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, we, we look for things to be grateful for in this time. We've been, uh, I'll just say, we've been calling our community to be able to support the work of our firefighters and all the crews that are on the grounds up north. We think about those suffering right now, and if you'd like to do that, you can go to friendschurch.ca forward slash fire and donate. It's through the Red Cross. They're matching, literally, $2. They're giving $2 for every dollar donated right now uh, between federal and provincial government. So we're encouraging you to do that. Anyways, I didn't even, that was just off the top of my head. That wasn't even why I'm here right now. I'm here to welcome you all and to invite you to make the most of this next hour. Because uh, this goes, well, hopefully it'll go quick, <laughs> but it should go quick. And you, you went through all the work to either join us this morning to get out of bed, get all dressed up, and you guys are looking real good, um, or you're, you're online listening to this, I want to invite you to get your mind and heart into a place where you can just be ready for what we call thin place moments. This is where the divine, and regardless of where you, what you believe is out there, where, where the physical, our world, what we can see, touch, hear, taste, kind of, and, and the world of the divine, kind of get, that membrane gets so thin that you sense something maybe deeper and wider is happening in you, around you. Sometimes mental shifts happen, epiphanies, moments of just deeper awareness of your life, where you are. Sometimes just this sense of, peace or affirmation can take over. It's hard. People explain these thin place moments in so many different ways. But my heart, my prayer for you today is that you would be in a place where you'd actually just be open to that happening. And sometimes it takes just a real mental shift in this three minute, four minute window before things really get rolling to decide, I'm ready to allow the distractions of this past week, what you gotta do after the service is over, all that stuff, put it to bed. We got Joe here. Joe is uh, relatively new to the community. He's an amazing musician and singer and love what he's about. And he's gonna introduce you to some music that is part of his repertoire that he sees spiritual themes woven through in our language. And so I just invite you, whether you know the music or not, you might be familiar with some of the tunes that he, he does. Um, but regardless, I just pray that you would be open to having your own moments this morning. All right? Breathe deep. Let's have a great morning this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. What a great way to start the morning with some great music. Um, welcome uh, to Friends Church. My name is Alita, and I'm part of the um, charitable giving team here at Friends Church. And I just want to say thank you to all of those um, who have been coming for years, and also welcome to those of you who are new to this really incredible special place. Um, if you haven't noticed, we have a new app, and I'd invite you to change your old app to the new t app. And um, we often promote the pre-authorized giving, which is a great way for us to know how much is coming in and to be able to budget. But not everybody 
somebody's in that situation where they can do that um, financially and depend on a predictable income. And you know what? That's okay. If you can give once, um, that's all right too. Um, give what you can. We have um, always the black box at the back for paper money or checks. You can go online to www.friendschurch.ca or you can give on the app. And we appreciate all of it um, equally. So welcome today. We have something um, that we've brought back from pre-COVID times. We have coffee outside and we're having a coffee break this morning. I invite you to um, take a moment, challenge you, and, and invite you to reach out and meet someone new. Shake a hand and get to know this great community. Okay, morning everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. My name is Vince. I want to tell you a little bit about the future, but I want to tell it to you by way of a quick story. I've told you a little bit that I've been renovating my bathroom. It was a three-month project that's been going on three years now, so I'm right on schedule. Uh, the other day, there's a whole ton of tiling. The other day I told you I had brought in a professional tile person, company, ish, whatever we call them, and they went through my tiling prep job, and they told me all the things I should not do. You should not put your tiles in subway form. You should not put dark grout on your tiles. Guess what I did? I ignored everything they said, because of course I, who've never tiled before, clearly know more than the person whose entire career is based on tiling. Guess how my tiles look? That's how many tiles I've had to take out already. I put them on and then I smashed them and took them out. Why? Because I didn't listen to a wise person. There's this whole piece that we talk about in terms of our values. Everyone's on a unique spiritual journey. Believe that, live that, love that. But there is certain things in life that if you don't live wisely, you pay the price for it. You know what I'm talking about? You ignore some of these really key pieces and you'll pay for it. So as we come into summer, where our lives change a lot, oftentimes we kind of start to wind down a little bit, take some time away. We want to spend a few weeks talking about how to live wisely so your summer is actually solid. You're recharged. You're not breaking tiles that you put in because you didn't pay attention to wisdom. The Bible, you know, people often think the Bible basically has a story about Jesus and the rest of it's just all like cannon fodder, like we can ignore it. There's massive parts of the Bible that are based on how to live well. There's these questions that asks us, how do you live, how do you use your time? How do you deal with pleasure? It's true. So I want to invite you back starting next week to start asking the question, how do I live wisely in my life so that my life is worth living? Starts next week. I'm going to pass it over to Jeff for the final message of the resentment series. Anyone realize through this series you got some serious resentments? (laughs) 
I really like it when my wife points out my resentments that I haven't been ignored. <laughs> That's really been fun to see this series. Anyways, pass over to Jeff. Jeff, take it away. Thanks. Thanks. You've got to love that. I barely had a coffee this morning and I got talking, so I just got to suck this back before I get busy, okay? Just a second. Ow, 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 but it tasted so good. Okay. Um, whoops. We've spent enough time talking about ways we can avoid resentments over these last number of weeks, I think. We've talked about blaming, the way that we can blame others rather than deal with them. We can shame ourselves as a reason for the resentment that we're feeling or the hurt, the wound. We've talked about herd morality and this tendency to attack those that are in better positions, better places in their lives than we are as a way to deal with kind of the wound. Even last week, Vince talked about letting, the way that we let people kind of determine how we're supposed to act or be, even though it's not true to ourselves, as a way to kind of keep the peace and just, just make it go away, and we call that forgiveness. And that just deepens the resentment often that makes it go away. So we have these ways of facing these resentments in our lives, or maybe curtailing them, shall I say. This week we want to explore the actual process of looking into them and doing something that will heal them. This is a critical step, folks. This is the thing that's needed to be able to reduce their triggering effects on us, make us, we got issues? Oh, thank you, that's appreciated. I didn't know where that went. Um, this, this thing that we're gonna talk about today is the thing that can actually uproot these wounds. And, uh, and make them heal, because that's what we want, right? Like, that's what this is about, right? We want to move past the wound. We don't want to keep telling the old story again and again and again about the way that that person did that thing. We, we get tired of kind of being triggered at the family dinner table or the, the Christmas family gathering, or that work scenario with that person that, oh, mm. we want to move on. We want to live a free life. It's amazing when you don't deal with the resentments, how small they can make our lives. They have a way of restricting us from going into places, being around certain people, environments. No, it just holds us in it. It makes our world smaller and smaller. It's time we actually look at it and get it dealt with. So that's what we want to talk about. The cost of not dealing with it is too high. But to be fair, to be honest, the process of facing our wounds, our emotional wounds and resentment is not easy. It's hard work. It's probably why many people will do everything they can but look at them and deal with them. But we need to deal with them. So, let's talk about this, can we? We want to face them. Back in 2019, before the pandemic launched, I did a message on a similar, it was kind of a similar topic, talking about trauma and emotional wounds that we can suffer, that, and, the, and the trauma or the, the emotion of it gets trapped in our bodies. At the time, this was pretty new learning for me. I had no idea. Up until that point, my understanding was that if you just give enough space to the situation, you just avoid 
it. You do whatever you have to do to just kind of get away from it. Eventually, you'll just heal and it'll move on. Anyways, I did this message talking about this research now that says this stuff gets stored in us. It doesn't just evaporate. It sticks and it waits for the next circumstance that seems remotely interesting, similar. And then it comes back. Anyways, I did the message and I received an email afterwards. It was sent to our, our general email and it said this, hi, felt compelled to reach out after last Sunday's message. Felt Jeff was intrigued by the idea of emotional energy being trapped in the body. I just want to reach out and say, this is actually what I do as an intuitive coach and healer. I've learned how to speak the language of the body, which communicates to us what may be causing physical symptoms and signals and how it might be connected to past stuff. If you have any questions about any kind of this thing, emotional energy, healing, whatever, I'd be happy to share with you. Well, I got the email and I'm looking at this going, hmm, this is really interesting. I want to meet this person. So I reached out. Her name was Christine Waldner. I had never met her. Her and her husband had been attending Friends Church. She was in on that message. So I reached out, and we sat down, and we met. And that is when she introduced me to a bunch of different authors and a body of research, even her own book that she had written surrounding this whole area, this topic. Yeah. She's honest when she says she understands the way that these emotional wounds impact our bodies and our minds. She's been thoroughly through this. She's learned from even her own experiences and now she invested huge time and energy into her practice. As I was thinking about this morning's topic, I thought, Christine would be perfect for this. So anyways, I reached out and gracefully, graciously she agreed. So I would like you to welcome Christine Waldner to come. I'm going to interview her this morning and she's going to help us understand this topic. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I didn't remember that I sent that didn't, email. I, I no, didn't I even mention like, that. Surprise. Actually, I, was, I meant to tell you. Did you right. remember this no, email? No, I don't. <laughs> but I do remember our meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember well, it really well. Well, thank you for well. having me. Thank you for being here. Yeah. You, um, you describe yourself as an intuitive healer. Intuitive healer. I do personal development coaching. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Like, uh, so... Uh, I, I'm always curious when someone gets into this kind of thing. Like, yeah. did you just say one day, hey, oh. this is what I want to do. I want to one day be this kind of thing? No. No, it was um, later on in my life. Just, you know, when you, we all hit that midlife crisis. Mine, mine happened at, around, you know, the 30s. And so just in my own self-discovery, um, learning the different modalities, different things that existed to help myself, learn about myself, I, I came across it. And... I was working with somebody and, and uh, I just wanted to, to learn more and she taught me and said, anybody can do this. And I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't realize anybody could do it, but you know, I was fascinated by it. So that's how I kind of got into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's been a big journey and mm-hmm. a big practice now. Yeah. Um, when we started talking about this, my question to you was, how does someone just face this area of resentment, how does someone look into their lives from these past wounds and deal with this stuff? And I was kind of hoping that you would kind of go kind of a one, two, three, this is what a person would do on their own. But you were pretty quick to say, actually, well, you said, it's hard to do it on your own. It is. It is. 
yeah, it's hard to do it on your own because um, most of us, we, 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 don't, we can't see what we don't see. Um, and so it, it takes somebody on the outside to break the pattern, to ba- break the, you know, the, the repeating thoughts that we have that we don't even know that we have. And so it, ha- it usually takes somebody outside that mm-hmm. to, to make you aware of it, it, what's... Instantly when you said, oh, you need someone else, I was suspicious right away. <laughs> I went, okay, yeah, this is, this is promoting Christine's work. That's what we're going, right? Yeah, and, that, and, I, and that makes sense. Right? Yeah, but, but when you start talking about, mm-hmm. so this awareness, mm-hmm. when you say it's hard for someone... Yeah to see things they can't see. Right, because your beliefs, we've had our beliefs, and, and a belief is this, it's something that you don't question. It's just, it's something that's known. And so if you're trying to, ch- trying to change beliefs, you need to um, have someone interrupt it, because you don't even know. You, you know. The only time you can change a belief is this, when you start to question it. When you mm-hmm. start to question a belief, mm-hmm. it's no longer a belief. Mm-hmm. And that's where it can start to begin. And so it usually takes somebody on the outside that, that challenges you to think differently, that asks you these questions so that you can at least start to interrupt that belief and give you the idea to, re- to, to start to reframe it. So. We, we've been talking a lot about resentments around here. And um, when I said, like, People come to you and they yeah. they say, "Hey, I got this resentment," and 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 you said, "Well, actually, no, they don't really yeah. sound like that when they come in." No, no, and that was one of the things I said to Jeff right off the the bat. You know, um, it's one thing we, when you're sharing a message up here on the stage, you need to you know have that language. But when I, when somebody comes to talk to me, they they don't sit down and say, "Christine, I'm resentful." Um, you know, they'll sit down in my chair and go. I'm really frustrated. Um, I'm frustrated, you know, so just a few examples of what resentment might look like underneath um, as a deeper level would be this, is I'm, I'm frustrated that my boss makes more money than me and he makes my life, you know, hell. He, he doesn't give me opportunities and I have to do more work than him. I'm frustrated. Um, I'm frustrated that, this is a big one, I'm frustrated that my... Um, you know, husband doesn't come home on time and he's not there to help out with the kids and I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what I'm doing and guess what? He's going golfing this weekend. Um, that's resentment, right? I'm resentful go towards that person. The, go easy but. on the golf. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Right, but, but this is the real life stuff. Like this yeah. is the real life examples yeah. and that's what it sounds like, right? It sounds... So like anger, frustration... You you had mentioned yeah. like even just feelings of a little bit lo- of lostness. Yeah, and exactly right. It, a lot of times it's Christine. I I'm here because if I don't see you, I I don't I don't want to go on. Like I just I don't know I don't know what to do anymore. Like there's it's just like a void. It's just mm. I need somebody to point me in the right direction. So that's what it looks like. And so we we often use a language like anger, frustration, bitter, unfair. But when someone comes in, we don't often say. I'm resentful, mm-hmm. and so it's through that discussion that you you um, find find the deeper root. You know, obviously, we all have different wounds, and and resentment is one one of those big ones that we we hold. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You you describe often the wounds uh, like they're kind of emotional wounds. Yes, and they got a charge around them. They do. Um, so you said you said okay. So awareness is one of the things that is key to being able to face these things, being able to see not just yeah. I, I'm mad or I'm frustrated or whatever, but like maybe bigger behind it. There's some different beliefs that may be 
feeding that situation that you can't see. That's right. But there was something else that you thought an outside voice can provide that is really necessary for these emotional wounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to... Like, do you mean empathy? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, okay. sorry. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, one of the big things in wanting to shift these types of wounds is, is you have to recognize resentment is an emotion. And because it's an emotion, it doesn't come from our, our thinking brain. It doesn't come from, you know, up here, our thoughts. And so a lot of people, when we want to shift these ideas or, or these emotions, we try to do it from our, our brains. We try to think it through. We try to tell ourselves an affirmation, you know, um, but you can't. We need to shift it from uh, our heart center. And so one of the ways that we do that is through empathy. Empathy is a feeling. And so it, it allows you to come in and shift you, not from here, but it shifts you from the heart center because empathy is something you feel and it's something that validates you. So one of the biggest components in healing is actually validation. So a lot of times after a session, a client will, you know, will, will send me a message back and just say something simple like, you heard my soul. And that's all she needed, you know, or all they needed because um, it was, it's just finally, I didn't have to like shout it out or I didn't have to you know, justify myself or explain it. It just, you just got me. Mm-hmm. And it validates you. And when you feel validated, it hits you in that like, sense of worth, sense of uh, value. And so it begins to shift you in that heart center. Like, couldn't anyone demonstrate empathy? So any, we all can, absolutely. We, we, we all should, actually. Um, I just find in my experience, our world teaches us how to fix. We're fixers, right? Mm. My husband or my wife comes in and, you know, you, you know, you sample with my husband and if I'm, I'm struggling with something and emotionally and I'm like, I just need to talk to you. And he's like, how can I fix it? You know, I'm like, okay, well, you need to do this. I'm like, mm, right? It, it's just how not... many are guilty of being <laughs> fixers? Right? Uh, just, I specialize our, in fixing, actually. Yeah, because it's, our, it's, it's just our natural states. It's how we're taught. It's how we're conditioned. And um, we're, we're not really taught. Like, we hear the words nurturing and consoling. Um, but then if I actually ask you, how do you do that? Like, I'll ask you. How do you nurture and how do you console somebody? How would you actually go about doing that? Probably needing to connect to them on a similar emotional level than they're feeling in that moment or trying to understand the emotion they're feeling, Mm -hmm. naming it, Mm -hmm. helping them talk about the emotion. So you're wanting to fix it. Yeah, totally. I, 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 I can actually read my wife's mind and then tell her, yeah, exactly I, I just it, stop yeah. her right in the mid-sense, say, I know what the problem right. is. And let me just yeah. tell you how we're going to get to oh, Right, no. I know, but that's what I mean. Like, it's just, it's, it's just such a natural state for us. And so it really takes, um, it takes some reconditioning to get used to it where you, it's just listening. Like, you don't, you don't need to fix. And I always tell people, there's this, you know, this um, little equation I use. If, if somebody's suffering, so I'll ask you this. I'll test you if you're listening to me. Um, if somebody's suffering and you want them to heal, there's, like, there's just a couple steps in there to get from suffering to healing. What do you think that that looks like? Huh. Probably just allowing them to talk about their suffering. Yes. So uh, to sum up what you're saying, to, to be heard. Yeah. To be heard. When yeah. you're heard, you're acknowledged or validated. Yeah. And then you shift into healing. Mm-hmm. So when you go into fixing mode, you, um, you miss that opportunity for the person's soul to be heard. Mm-hmm. They, we already have the thoughts. Like most of us already tell ourselves we know what to do, right? Just, just stop... Um, 
you know, just get over it. Just move on. Like, why are you bothered? Like, or they're just a jerk, just whatever. It's okay, right? But um, yeah, no, we need to, we need to shift back and... How many, I'm just curious with this show of hands, how many would have a friend who has demonstrated that ability or someone in your life, maybe it's an aunt or an uncle, maybe it's just someone who knows you, who doesn't have any vested interest, who has been able to be that sounding board or that person where you just feel safe enough to kind of say, hey, can I tell you something that's going on? How many have ever experienced that? So you know what I'm what I'm saying. So it can happen. Yeah. It yeah. can happen when, yeah. you, when you can get yeah. that. But I hear what you're saying. The, that special place where you go, I, I need to open up about something. Now, I know just from having worked with people so long, to get someone to even open up mm-hmm. about a deep wound mm-hmm. is hard. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one thing to even have someone that you essentially could trust, mm-hmm. but to get to that emotional, can you just talk about why that might be? Like, mm-hmm. why, do, why do we struggle to... Share? Yeah. Because we're going to be judged. Judge, not only do, are we going to be judged on the outside, we self-judge. We self-judge mm-hmm. before anybody else is mm-hmm. self-judged, right? Because we've heard those voices from, you know, five, six, seven years old uh, that's ingrained in us. And so... Um, we have a society that's more, I, I call it, you know, masculine, where it's doing and achieving. Um, we don't have, it's not as prevalent that more softer feminine side. So it's scary to share something where someone's going to judge you because ultimately, at, at their core, we don't, we don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be lonely. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to push people away. We don't want to tell them something that um, they're going to go, oh my gosh, now that I know that about you, I don't want to, I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to like you. And, um, or I don't want to admit it to myself. Mm-hmm. I, if I say it out loud, now I got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So. Right. So they come in. Let's just mm-hmm. say in your yeah. typical session. Okay. And they say, oh, man, "I'm frustrated with my husband, or I'm mad at my workplace, yeah. or a family member, whatever it is." And they start talking, and you start mm-hmm. working this magic of just being able to empathize in a deep level. What typically starts to happen at that point? When it's working well. Uh, so if, if you want to know, if you want to actually, you know, you're not on the receiving end of it, but you want to help somebody and you want to, to do the empathizing for yeah. somebody, how you know is this, they cry. <laughs> they will tear up. And so when I'm teaching somebody how to empathize or I'm teaching somebody how to be nurturing and consoling, I'll give them a script. Sorry. I'll give them a script and I'll read it to, the, to my client. And you can just see their, tear, their, their eyes are starting to glaze over and they're starting to, to tear up. And it's just like, oh my God, somebody's just like making me feel so good right now. So then I'll give it to their partner and I'll say, follow the script and I want you to, to you know, say the exact same words. They will say the exact same words. And the other person, you can see they've just like closed right down. They've clo- and I was like, they, they think, well, I, I did it. And I'm like, did you? They're like, yep, I did it. I'm like, are you looking at your partner? What are they doing right now? I don't know. They've just completely withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's just crazy. It's, it's not even about the words because, again, to do empathy, empathy is not something that comes from here. So, we're he- we're he- so empathy is something you, ha- you have to feel it. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of people don't, you know, they have no problem talking about thoughts. But when I say to people, oh, let's talk about feelings, like, uh, <laughs> like I don't want to talk about feelings. 
Yes. Right? So, yes. so that because we don't want to feel. So, so in order to provide empathy to somebody, you yourself have to be feeling it. Yeah. And then that person will actually feel that like that energy transfer. They'll they'll feel you actually in that space. Because you know, a lot of parents, um, or sorry, I have a you know, say teenager clients come in and uh They'll, they'll be frustrated with their parents or their mom because their mom's like, I know she's hugging me and I know she says love ya, but I don't feel it. And that's one of the big missing components is you, you have, when you're doing empathy and you're, you're providing it, and you feel it, that person feels it. And the reason that you have the tears and that shifts is because it's an internal mechanism that we have is when, when our lower, um, like the lower vibrations of say resentment's leaving and the higher uh, vibration of love or the higher um uh, uh, vibration of say validation comes in, it creates this like shift in us that we cry. It's like when you listen to words of, of a song and it just moves you and you feel that, um, that emotion in you. It's the, it's, it comes from that same place. I know that I talk often with people who are very uncomfortable with feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're uncomfortable with people crying around them. Yes. They're uncomfortable with feeling emotions yep. and uh, often you know, there's a lot of talk about this in disembodiment that is very common, especially in Western culture, where they're Absolutely. almost divorced from our feelings. That, yeah. I'm assuming, based on what you're talking about, these being actual emotional wounds, the mm-hmm. resentments are actual emotional resentment. Yeah. So you said you cannot fix an emotional wound with a mental thought. It's not a thinking process. Somehow you got to get in yep. and help them feel yes. what happened. Yes. A lot of resistance to that, 100%. typically. Yeah, people yeah. come in and they go, yeah, in, I don't want to feel that. One of the first things, they're like, I'm scared. I'm like, what could you possibly be scared of? I'm, I'm scared to find something I don't like, huh. right? But, um, but I have to like, let, let them know that I'm not going to take you into the middle of the rapids, into the you know, messy part of the, the trauma, and then let you figure it out. Hmm. I'm going to take you to the other side. Hmm. So it's just this way of assuring them, like, I've, I've, I know what you're going through, you're, you're incapable, like I'm going to get you to the other side. So, sure. so as long as you're working with, you know, it doesn't. I don't mean working with somebody, but you have a friend or you have a, a family member, anybody, but somebody who's just going to take you all the way through that, um, the the feeling that you're you're feeling or the resentment that you are, and not just like start fixing it in the middle or um, get distracted and go get a glass of water. It's like you're, you're engaged until they get through. And so this process of feeling the wound, like this, is it, is it them going back and just saying this, this happened, like in a nutshell, this happened and this is how I am feeling as a result of what went down. And the emotions that happen around that, the, the wound. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of where you lead them into and going, feel that, it's okay? It, no, because it's, it's a little, it, yes, that's what's happening. Does it sound like that? No. No, right. Because right. it's very natural. Sure. It's like we're having a discussion like this. Right, 100%. Yes. I guess what I'm trying to yeah. understand, or help uh, kind of tease out is if you were here today yeah. and over the last number of weeks, you're identifying something in your life that you've got that's, that's unresolved, mm-hmm. and you want to face it, mm-hmm. and you, can, you can't just logic it away, right? because there's a tendency for us to try that. Yep. We're just going to buck up, <laughs> cowboy yep. up, it's just, and we, we've been talking about the ways that we can do that, but if you yeah. want to face it, lean into this thing. Yes. Being able to sit with the uncomfortable emotions yes. of what kind of happened around that thing 
is kind of part of that process of being able to say, there it is. Mm -hmm. And revisiting that thing might make you cry. Yeah, and that's what happens. Make make you angry, Mm -hmm. might make you want to swear and freak out, whatever. (laughs) I've had people throw pillows across the, yeah, Ah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's it's not fun, and that's why we don't do it. And that's why it's important that you have someone you feel safe with because that that's what it looks like. But I get it. We have life. It's like I have jobs I need to go to. I can't just like be emotional when I show up to work or I've got, you know, kids and I can't just like break down and cry in front of them, right? So we gotta just like disconnect and, and shift into that place. And so it's important to have that space yeah. where we can just like let go. Yeah. Feel it. Yeah. Get in there. But yeah. then once you're there, it's like now you can shift out of it. So you can't you can't just like you said think, okay, if I give en- have enough time elapse, it'll just go away. Right. It doesn't. It just keeps adding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Singer talks about the thorn, mm-hmm. removing the thorn. It's like getting a real bad sliver. And every time you, know, you, you touch a sliver in the wrong way and you feel that, that sharp nerve pain, that's what, that's what these emotional wounds can do. And so we can either just try to build an apparatus that protects it from ever getting bumped. And you spend your whole life from nothing touching that thing. It stays there. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. But you just protect it. Or you actually have to start cutting in there, get the tweezers in there, and risking the pain that's involved in extracting that wound. But that's when you start talking about this leaning in and the yeah. ugliness that no one seems to want or very few want to do. Yeah. That seems to me like that process of removing a sliver. It's like, yes. no, we got to get in there. we got to talk about it. Yes. we got to face it. Name the emotions that you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like something starts to turn. Mm-hmm. When do you know or when do you get the sense that perhaps someone has truly faced that thing? You can, you, so we all have it, that, that intuition. Um, you, if somebody says, you know, say sits down and they're like, oh, I've already processed that, I've already worked through that. And I'm like, hmm, okay, well, then why can I you know, feel that from you that it, it's not gone? It's like it's still bothering you. Mm. Um, yeah, so it, it does. It needs to shift from Yeah, you. yeah. And, and the emotion, is that often a sign to you that maybe we're getting down into it? Yeah, a that's bit? just it. Yeah, yeah. You, you will see, because you will see the person actually, like their, their, their facial expressions change, yeah. their body changes. Yeah. It, it, there, there's, a, there's a big shift. It's like you see their authentic self. It's just, mm. they're, not, they're not just in that, um, putting that mask on, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah you, can, you can see that. Mm-hmm. So at some point when the shift starts to happen, yeah. someone's dug in and said, yeah, truth is I've always been resentful about or angry, pissed, whatever about this thing, this yes. situation. yes. And they get it out, you tease that thing out, and then it's sitting there. Mm -hmm. At some point, then it's like, is it done? Does it just, do you say, okay, well, (laughs) it's been fun. Good luck. Um, What happens then? Yeah, so at that point, so, so, you know, kind of following that, that process is, you have to have the awareness. You have to have the empathy in somebody to um, be able to really hear your soul yeah. and, and to feel safe with. And then once you have that present and, and you're, you're shifting the resentment, you want to, um, 
you want to change your belief system. You want to you want to reframe the thought that created the resentment. So mm-hmm. you had a thought somewhere in your past that you have a belief that makes you feel the resentment. Okay, and uh, so the next step would be recognizing what what is it that you're thinking? What's the story you're telling yourself that makes you think you're 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 feeling the res- the resentment? Um, this this was gold when we started talking about this, where you start saying. It just naming what went down and saying, oh, that was bad or whatever, doesn't necessarily tee you up to not stare right back into a similar resentment That's right. days later. The, there is a mm-hmm. shifting that needs to happen. So let's talk about some of the okay. beliefs that we, yeah. well, that you think are, are most common that you notice. Yes. There's Yeah, um, that requires a shift in beliefs. Yes. Can we talk about those? Please. Um, okay. Let me find them. <laughs> There they are. Okay, yeah. So you talk about self-advocacy and taking your power back as one of the big pieces that if it doesn't happen, often, often resentments come from an ability to advocate for oneself. Yeah, so let me explain that. Yeah. When when somebody comes to talk to me about the core underlying emotion that is bothering them is dealing with resentment to the beliefs related to that it would be you, you've given your power away and the best way that I can do that is, is to, to explain that through an example so say your husband's the breadwinner and he out of the blue gets laid off right it's kind of devastating news that you no longer have that financial security financial stability and you go into a state of you know just you know despair our natural tendency would, would be to be resentful. I am pissed right off at how could my boss do that? How could he do that to me? Like I'm a good person. I'm a good, like I, I, it feels unfair. So you have a lot of resentment towards them. So in order to shift that and to not continue feeling resentment towards that person for the rest of your life, you need to take your power back. And what that means is you didn't realize that you got comfortable and you gave your financial. Um, freedom or your financial power to that person, that boss. And you need to bring it back and you need to go, okay, look, I'm in control of my financial destiny. That person isn't. I'm not going to sit and be resentful at them. So I need to, what, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, when you were talking mm-hmm. about the blame thing, so mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the belief associated to the blame where in order to take our power back, mm-hmm. we stop blaming somebody else and we start empowering ourselves mm-hmm. with um, with a, with a, with a, a, an idea or a source that we're in control of. Mm-hmm. So that that would, yes. would look like that. It's like okay, so in that I'm no longer resentful towards that you know employer who who uprooted my financial stability because I I had to make some changes, right? Mm-hmm. I have to change. I have to go. Out. I have to figure out how to find a job. I need to do. But it's like. When you do that and you just focus on, on what you can do, that resentment or the blame or, or the bitterness towards somebody else begins to shift because you're not holding a belief that I am angry because that person did that to mm-hmm. me. Right, right. Um, let's just say you're here right now and you fall into blame often. That maybe that's a mechanism that you find yourself easily doing. Maybe you can ask yourself a question right now. Is there power that you have surrendered to that person, to that situation that you are not wanting to take back? And say, that's not their problem anymore. That's not, that's not, I'm not even 
they're not even responsible for that. This is my problem now. And I'm running with this thing. It's shift. I can see why some would prefer not to. Yeah. They'd just like to it's sit easy. and just continue telling the story how they got. Yeah. So in a partner relationship, brother, sister, they always got all the love, the attention, or whatever. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So we can sit in that. You talk also about the sense of giving more than you're getting. Yes. That's a very common resentment. Or that, wound. So this is probably one of my most common one that that's prevalent with uh, with my clients. Yeah, um, you know, you you are resentful because you have to care for everybody. When everybody, when, you know, somebody needs to talk to somebody, you're the one that picks up the phone. When somebody needs, you know, help with something, you're the one that's offering. And then when it's flipped around, you're like, now it's my turn. My turn to need something. Nobody's there, mm-hmm. right? And it causes this resentment. And so it's. Um, what happens is, is if we are constantly giving and we're not receiving, uh, we're not restoring ourselves, we're resentful because we are trying to give more than we've got. Mm-hmm. We're like, I'm drained, mm-hmm. but I got to keep going. I'm drained, but I got to help my kids. I'm drained, but I got to help my husband. I'm drained, but I got to you know, help my neighbor, right? I, I hear a lot of people, I, actually over the years, I've heard so many people complaining because they say, I am the initiator. I am the yeah, one that's always right. calling everyone. I'm always the one that's saying, hey, we need to do this. I'm the one that's setting up a date night for my partner. I'm the one that's whatever. And whenever I just stop, it's like the world goes on and where am I? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yes. So there's that resentment. You're saying, you can face it. You can say, hey, I'm mad about this. I'm whatever. But if you're going to fix that thing going forward, mm-hmm. once you face the resentment, if you're going to fix it, what does it look like to kind of turn that train around for someone who's always fallen into that? Right. So the the so we're talking about beliefs. You know, changing your belief yeah, around resentment. What, what that would look like is you you haven't created a belief system on how to receive. You're a great giver. You've been taught to you know give your time, give your energy, give your money, but you don't know how to receive. And I can't tell you how many people. Um, that I work with that they are not good receivers. They don't know how. They don't know how to receive without guilt or receive, you know, without feeling uncomfortable. And so I did this for a little while where I, um, you know, wasn't charging. I wasn't charging clients. They didn't know. They would come in and I'd go, you know what, the session's on me. And they're like, no, no, no. I was like, no, no, no. The session's on me today. Because it was like this little thing, like little test I was doing. And um, I can't tell you how many people just started crying. Hmm. They would start crying because just from me saying, "No, no, this is I'm I'm truly I'm doing this for you. I want to give, you know give this pay this forward," and it's not like you know huge amounts of money, right? But yeah. but it was just the idea or the thought that it just shows you how much we actually don't re- receive hmm. back just um, without so, condition. So there, for some, they they get into this position because they've never been able or learned how to be able to say actually. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for paying the bill. I'm not going to pay it this time. And yeah. thank you. I really appreciate that. Exactly. Or um, actually, you know what? There is something you could do for me. Yeah. Or saying that kind of or thing. Or saying, you know, uh, you know, new new parents, right? I feel guilty. Well, I feel guilty that I'm I'm spending time by myself or spending a whole day going away. You know, I should be looking after my kids. It's like, yeah, but if you don't restore yourself, if you don't um, rejuvenate, if you don't receive energy and, and, and get yourself in a good place, you've got nothing left to give. Mm-hmm. And so we have to learn how to, um, 
how to calibrate in our, that in our heads that we can receive openly yeah. and feel good about it yeah. and refill our energy, refill our buckets and ask for it and it, not feel guilty. It seems very logical and kind of almost common sense. It is. And yet as a giver, <laughs> the number of times I can feel the resentment building when someone isn't mm-hmm. figuring out, reading my mind saying, hey, <laughs> Jeff, here's what you need. Here, let me take the, and, and I can, I mean, yet I have difficulty asking. So I can deal with the resentment in one part, but if I don't figure out how to do this next step, it, I, I'm right back into that window again. Let's talk about another scenario that, because okay. there's a lot of people that have no problem asking for what they want. But when they do that, they don't get the response they were hoping for. You get someone who maybe says, no, I'm not prepared mm-hmm. to do that. I know you've taken that many turns, but I'm busy, and, or I'm tired, or whatever, yeah. blah, 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 yes. or whatever it is. What happens when you've got people in your life where you're going, I'm try- I need this to be more reciprocal than it is, but it seems they're not willing to be that. Yeah. So what you do is, um, you know, one of the things that I, I have phrases I use is send love and light from a distance. If you're dealing with your resentment and you're shifting it, don't invite the person who caused it right back in, right? Like the, your, your, your heart, your soul, it doesn't care where the receiving comes from or the energy comes from. And so don't, don't expect to get something from somebody who isn't capable of giving it to you. So if you're, you know, you're in that ex- example where you're frustrated, those people aren't doing it, stop going to those people. Hmm. Branch out and find hmm. a new person, right? So here, I'll just use this yeah. as an example. Um, I love my husband dearly, but he's not very good at... I never like how that starts. <laughs> I, I really I love, love you, but... He's just not <laughs> great at the emotional like availability. Like he's, he's just not great at being a good listener to me. And so I used to get resentful. I used to get mad. I'm like, anytime you need something, I'm here. But when it's my turn and now I need you to help me just like, just listen, he wasn't able to do that. And I used to get mad at him. So or in the way that you were maybe yeah, needing it or that's wanting a, Yes, it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I thought, stop putting that expectation on him. That's just, it's, he's still a good human being. It's just that he isn't able to do that. And I could teach him, but I'm not. So I'll go to my best friend mm-hmm. and I go to my best friend and then I get it. My heart gets validated. Mm-hmm. My soul feels that empathy and shift. And now I'm not. Now I'm good, and I'm not mad at my husband. Huh. So it's like we we sometimes attach this emotion. Um, well, we, we place this emotional attachment or association that I must get it from this person, but it doesn't have to be. It can be from here. When it comes to healing, it doesn't matter who. Uh, you know, and I could see some people out here who have strong beliefs that say no. My partner needs to learn exactly mm-hmm. what I need and do exactly what I'm doing, uh, or. Yeah. Or, you know, can, or, if that's their problem, they better get into whatever, right. you know? And I, I, so if I can just jump out of that for a second, I have talked to many people who have had parents who, oh, wow, 1137, Ooh. there it went. See what um, <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I know, we were worried about this. They're, they're, oh, I, I was just thinking about um, people who have so, been so frustrated over the years by a parent who could not love them the way that they wanted to be loved mm-hmm. and couldn't say the things that they were hoping that they would say. And it's like, even after the parent has passed away, it's like this wound just wouldn't let it. And when, what I hear you saying is, it is possible to shift your expectations yeah. away and to find what it is you're needing from someone else and allowing that belief to shift. Yeah. 
Okay, there, there are so many things here that we could have jumped in on. <laughs> I knew, right. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think the point of all this was, you know, in this whole series is to be able to say, look it, if you've got a freaking thorn in you and it's been dogging you for a while, I'll tell you right now, it ain't going away by ignoring it or blaming others or shaming yourself. It requires us to look in, pull up, get the tweezers out, sometimes a sharp scalpel, and sometimes doing it by yourself is sometimes foolish. Or it's not, it's not going to lead to always the outcomes that you think it might. And I know that if you're like me, I've many times pulled out the scalpel myself thinking, I think I can get this one, only to find myself there again and there again. And it seems like every time I come around that mountain again, yeah. It hurts that much more because I'm going, I have been here too many times with that person. We've talked about this one too many times and just the resemblance. Look at you got a thorn in you. We want to make sure if you're willing to deal with it, that it gets dealt with. And so whatever it takes, whether it, it involves finding a therapist, finding someone that can help, calling up a friend who you go, mm-hmm. number one, that person knows how to hear me. And we're going to just start by getting it out. And I'm going to allow myself to, to, to go in there with that person. Would you take a step today? You got that going on? I'm telling you, you want to be free. Mm-hmm. You really do. So I hope you'll take a step. And know this, we're here. We have a lot of different people and resources that we can refer um, that can help you in that journey as well. All right. Um, this wraps up our series. I, I, Christine, I'm so thankful that you oh, came and joined you. me. This Thanks is over my pay grade. I'm, I'm glad oh. that you were willing to share Absolutely. from your story and your learning. Can we just show our appreciation to Christine for, for joining yeah. us today? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we ran over, but what else do you got to do on a nice Sunday <laughs> afternoon? Right? A beautiful sunny day <laughs> like this. All right. Anyways, thank you for joining us. Next week, Wisdom Series kicks off. We hope you'll... Uh, join us. We, we're covering some exciting material in that process. So we'll see you back here next week. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.